Welcome to the Be the Adult podcast. Be the Adult is a nonprofit organization that provides blueprints for calm and effective parenting so that children can grow into their best selves. Because ultimately, we aren't raising children, we are raising little people who will one day be adults. Hey, Nancy. Hey, Marisol, how are you? I am doing all right. I had some technical difficulties this morning getting on the podcast, and I thought it would be a wonderful time to ask you to teach us a little more about self-regulation, because I need to self-regulate before we get into this podcast. <laughs> I think that sounds great. Our, our guests today can help both of us do that. Um, maybe they can help all of our listeners in the whole world do that. <laughs> So um, do you want to introduce our topic, Marisol, and then I'll talk about that and then our guests. Absolutely. It is Encourage My Independence. And from the book, it says, please teach me how to do things and then allow me to do them myself. Why? This allows me to become more independent and self-confident. and shows me that you have confidence in my ability to handle all of life's situations and emotions. Yeah, what a gift we could give our children if we taught them how to fly in a healthy way, right? <laughs> so would you like me to explain more about self-regulation, Marcel? I would, I would because I believe others have asked about it. Uh, we use, I know I use different frames over you know, it over different podcasts as a non-therapist, but I, I would appreciate your professional definition. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I hear a lot from um, people really like they say, you know, you guys talk about being grounded, centered, regulated. Like, what does that really mean? So um, just to take a few minutes before I introduce our guests um, to talk about what it really means. So self-regulation means kind of the ability to understand and manage um, you know, emotions, you can call them disruptive or just ones that are getting in my way and kind of impulses and behaviors um, that don't really fit with taking good care of myself in the moment with my value system and ultimately like our long-term goals that we have, whether it's in relationships or just kind of things that we want to accomplish ourselves. And when we talk about kids, right, um, learning how to self-regulate is one of the most important things we can teach them because we want to teach them how to become independent, how to fly on their own, right? Without us hovering over them. Um, or like our last guest last week taught us the lawnmower, which still gives me chills thinking about that. Um, but it's important for development because it helps kids with learning and social skills, right? How to interact um, with themselves and with others. And it's kind of like when kids experience a sensory overload, like they get flooded, emotion just um, kind of building, building, they really have trouble regulating. And so that's where we come in as parents, caregivers, adults in their lives, that sometimes they really need us to um, regulate. So we are what we call their external regulator. So then we can help them co-regulate. So then we can kind of model. And I know our guests are going to talk more about that kind of the space that we want them to be in, not only for us, but more importantly for them. Kind of like a child, just like adults has kind of their set point there, I guess we'll call it kind of like their baseline place where they can be to take good care of themselves. Um, 
where their nervous system is where it needs to be. And we'll talk to our guests. We'll talk more about that. Um, it's really where they can manage their emotions and behaviors kind of air quotes appropriately, um, which to me means in a way that takes care of them. So what we're going to dive into today is more about kind of how to be aware of when we're in our regulated zone, kind of our, our space where we can stay grounded and centered and our, and our children kind of for us and to teach our kids like what's going on in that zone and all the time kind of around us, kind of checking in, noticing. So they can get a good sense of what that feels like. So when they're like our um, guest taught us a um, few, few podcasts ago, the, the term bumped out when they're bumped out um, and they'll refresh our memory today, what that means, then they can say, oh, I'm bumped out, right? And they can make adjustments to get back to that place of self-regulation, kind of their baseline, that regulated state. So then they can, you know, take better care of themselves in that moment and whomever they're interacting with. Does that um, kind of cover it, Marisol? Does that make sense? It does. It does. To me, um, I can see, you know, we talk a lot about different ages. I, I feel I have two kids, freshmen in college, and I... I've experienced how, you know, that's a subject we, one went off, one stayed. And for both of them, it was a subject with the whole new college experience that came in very handy um, to teach them how to, that they were out of the zone and how to find the right tools for them as individuals to get in into the right zone. So, and I feel it's probably, you know, important at every age <laughs> to teach this. So um, thank you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, excuse me, I'm going to introduce our guests because I know they have a lot of incredibly valuable information to share with us. So, um, so Jesse Hardin um, and Lauren Clark are here again. They were on a couple episodes ago and we got such great feedback Um about them and the information that they share that we invited them back. And we're so excited that they are sharing their precious time with us and their knowledge. Um, so just kind of refresh everyone's memory. And if you want more information about them, please refer back to our previous podcast um, or reach out to them. So um, Jesse Hardin works with Carolina Complete Health Network to support providers with Medicaid transformation She's been a community resiliency model trainer for two years and has a master's degree in health education and promotion. And Lauren Clark is the program integration coordinator with Community Care of the Lower Cape Fear, a nonprofit providing complex care management and provider support. Lauren is a social worker by trade and became a community resiliency model trainer in 2018. She's the mom to five-year-old Ella and nine-month-old Jet. So you get a lot of practice regulating, don't you, Lauren? <laughs> yes. I'll say we had to use a lot this morning. Um, there was a lot of noise. I don't know if it's the time of year or what, but my five-year-old Ella is just bouncing off the walls lately. Yeah, I think a lot of children are right now in December. Is it the month? So I'm going to, um, Marisol and I are, Feel like it would be important to instead of just kind of our typical asking questions, having you answer. Um, I know we all talked a little bit about what we wanted today to um, share with our listeners. So 
we're going to kind of let you take it. <laughs> and then Marisol and I, as we have thoughts, questions, need clarifications, um, we will obviously jump in. But if that's okay with you, kind of if you want to just start talking about, maybe give your spin on what I said on self-regulation, if you want to add to that, tweak it, um, what it means to you, and then just kind of continue the conversation from last time. Does that work? That works great. We'd love to. Okay. I'd love to actually jump back to something Marisol said when we got started, and that was that she was having technical difficulties. And I think this is something that we can all relate to this year with everything moving electronically. And more often than not, technical difficulties might just kind of bump us out of that zone you mentioned earlier, Nancy, and you called it that regulated zone. And that's a really great way to phrase it. Um, We call it the resiliency zone, and it can take different names depending on how you like to refer to it. So it could be the resiliency zone, the regulated zone, the okay zone. Recently, I heard it be referred to as the I got this zone. And it's really this place where we just feel like we're a little bit more imbalanced. We still feel a full range of emotions when we're in that zone, but we're able to go about our day. We don't get too washed away with either of those emotions, either bumped high where we might feel more angry or irritable, edgy. We might even start to feel some pain throughout our body or bump to low, meaning, you know, we feel more depressed, overall sadness, and we might actually feel kind of a heaviness and numbness throughout our body. Now, not saying that technical difficulties get us bumped out that much, but let's face it, sometimes they do, especially given, you know, what we have going on elsewhere in our lives. And so, with the community resiliency model, we would teach you how to notice and sense into what our nervous system is telling us when we are in that zone and when we might be getting bumped out. And then we call that tracking. We reviewed that on the last podcast. And really, that's paying attention to our nervous system. And when we do that, we're able to sense in and choose to pay attention to those sensations that have to do with wellness. Um, For example, you might notice a deep breath or your muscles start to relax, and those are all good signs that you're back in that regulated zone. And so going back to Marisol's example of technical difficulties and that kind of getting the day started off on a note that might get us bumped out of our zone, I would just invite Marisol to think about something that brings her maybe a sense of calm in the moment or something that helps her feel a little bit better Marisol, does anything come to mind for you when you think about uh, something in your life that might bring you a sense of calm? I would, I actually would uh, go to my meditation spot and like sit down and light a candle and take five minutes to just chill. (laughs) So when you think about that, um, yeah, you've got a nice spot set up in your house. You said you have a candle that you can light as well. Yes, yes. But I would, if I wasn't at home, I would think about that and I would try to mentally imagine it and take a couple deep breaths. Excellent. So you're noticing your breath and a deeper breath. Is that pleasant, neutral, or unpleasant, that deeper breath? It starts out probably unpleasant. And then the more I do it, it starts to feel good and feel pleasant. Fantastic. 
And so, like you said, sometimes you're not home and you can't get to that meditation spot, but just thinking about it helps you take those deeper breaths. And so that's something we'd call a resource. And it just helps us get back to a place where we feel a little bit more balanced. And we are happy to review other skills today as well that we can shift to in those moments where we feel like we're getting bumped out of that regulated zone. I, I could also add, I could listen to Taylor Swift as well, because I've been doing a lot of that too. <laughs> Her new <laughs> album. <laughs> yes. I was watching like the visual album yesterday on Vivo, I think it's called. And it was so dreamy, just like all the nice scenes and, you know, big trees and rivers and things they showed for the different uh, songs. So peaceful. So exactly. I'm right there with you. Music is often a really strong resource for people. Yeah, I, I'm appreciating what you said about um, how we can feel any emotion in this zone, because a lot of people will say, well, what if I'm not happy? I can't be in that zone. But it's really that we can feel anger, hurt, sadness, fear, joy um, in that space. Uh, any of those can be present, but it's how we're able in that space to um, more effectively manage those emotions. So thank you for, for pointing that out. Well, can, can I follow up with a question, Nancy? Because So what does that look like if you're in that space happy? Is that like you're doing, is, is that a neg, could that be a negative? If you're in your zone, but happy, mm -hmm. you can be in your zone and happy. I think that what we want to bring it back to is those sensations and that biology piece. So I think we often, you know, cut our heads off at the neck, right? And so we have this body that walks around. And so we take care of that and our heart health and we're moving, but then we have this mental piece as well in our brain. And we think, well, we have to take care of that separately with meditation or, you know, therapy. But what we want to do is try to show that it's one working system and one working body. Um, and with that, that comes the brain that actually functions to take care of the whole rest of the body. And we really can't separate the two things. So when Jesse's talking about tracking, what that is, is identifying in our body if we are under stress. And what that would mean is if a survival response in our brain has been ticked off. And survival responses can get turned on for any type of reason. And so it can be um, as common as um, we were talking about right before we started kind of seeing a lizard might take off a survival response in our body, or I might see a stick when I'm walking and might jump a little bit because I think it's a snake. Um, but our survival responses can also be if there's a threat to our relationship, that's going to tick off that part in our brain that says that I need to be in a fight or flight type mode, potentially. It could also be a threat to our beliefs that's been found to also tick that same part of the brain. And when that survival response gets turned on, now we're in what we typically talk about as fight, flight, freeze, um, tend to be friend. So at that point now, I'm tracking in my body those sensations that my nervous system has ticked on to help me either run or flee from this potential harmful situation. So it's our bodies really haven't evolved a whole lot from way back when. And so kind of wrapping back in a longabout way, it's that sensation that if I'm noticing my heart racing, right, I want to go back to is that pleasant or unpleasant. So my heart could be racing because I'm so excited that 
I'm about to graduate. I'm about to get married. I'm just having a wonderful day. Uh, just had a really great meeting. Excited to see friends. Whatever the reason, that heart racing could be for excitement. And I can still be in my zone, right? But maybe I'm at that top level of my zone and potentially could even be bumping out because of the amount of excitement I'm feeling. But if I'm tracking and I notice my heart racing, I want to take that half a second to see if it's unpleasant, pleasant, or neutral. If it's unpleasant, it could be because I'm stressed, I'm anxious. So I'm feeling that heart racing now for an unpleasant reason. Now, again, I might still be in my zone. I could potentially still be at the top part of my zone. But for this, it would be for um, an anxious, worried type of feeling, right? Something that's unpleasant. And so when we track that, we can now decide which we want to focus on. If it's unpleasant, if I'm happy because I'm graduating, but now I'm giving the speech at graduation, that's totally different, right? So now I'm noticing that the heart's racing, I'm excited, but I may be a little anxious and nervous, and this is a little unpleasant. I don't even have to name the emotion. I can just go, I'm feeling my heart racing, and I don't like this. And that's enough to then tell us that we want to use a skill to, like Jesse said, shift maybe to the pleasant and go, you know what, I'm really excited. Sometimes we can kind of reframe what we're experiencing. Other times it's visceral and we need a physical um, answer to that. So we need to take a minute to take a drink of water. We need to look around the room and identify colors. These are some of those help now skills we talked about. I need to ground, push on a wall, um, anything to where I notice those sensations shifting to something more pleasant. Um, so like going from being mildly activated with tech issues to now I'm noticing a deeper breath. And so you can have, again, those full range of emotions in that zone. It's going back to that biology because our brain isn't saying you should feel stressed now. That's an immediate response that's going to happen. No, I, I love that. No, thank you. And I, 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 that was a perfect explanation for me to understand that. Cause I was like thinking about sort of the month of December and, and the excitement that inherently our kids are feeling. So I was trying to, in my head, try to see like, well, is, is there a range or I should stop it? <laughs> um, but no, the way you explained it made complete sense to me. So thank you. So basically what I heard is that, um, we it's really becoming more aware that we have the power and control to take better care of ourselves independent of what anyone else or the rest of the world is doing is that accurate that's exactly right and that's to me one of the beauties of this model is that it gives people um really the power to regulate and reset their nervous system you know all too often in our in our culture we tend to go external of our own self to help regulate. And so what that might look like is I'm going to binge watch TV all day to numb out what's stressing me, or I'm going to compulsively go on social media or compulsively shop. Sometimes it might be turning to substances or other ways to help cope our nervous system and the pain that we might be feeling. What this model does is it it really gives us a sense of hope. It says that we all have a nervous system that responds pretty similarly in times of stress and trauma, and we can use our own biology to help reset that. And something too that's important about that whole concept of the zone and using skills, 
We also would encourage everyone to use these skills when you're in your resilient zone because your resilient zone can widen or it can shrink. It can do this in the span of a day or a couple of hours. Some folks are just born with a smaller resilient zone and others a, a wider zone. And that's natural. We're all designed differently, you know, with that in mind, but we all have the ability to widen our resilient zone. And so with that, I would say when you feel like you're in your zone and happy, use a skill there too, and really start to um, exercise that resilient zone. Um, take your your nervous system to the gym, you know, work it out and, and let it expand those skills of well-being so that the next time when life throws a new stress at us, we might have more bandwidth to deal with that. And something that I, I like to say and something I've learned through teaching CRIM is that a dysregulated nervous system can never regulate a dysregulated nervous system. Mm -hmm. So bringing us back to independence and self-care, if I'm bumped out and dysregulated, I can't help another person regulate their dysregulated nervous system. So first and foremost, using skills for ourselves, and that's going to make us better equipped to help other people if they're bumped out of their zone. So and I think it's important to note that even me being in my zone will affect and can potentially bring somebody back into their zone. Just me being okay, being in my zone, being regulated. And that's all because of mirror neurons. And so that really goes on teach me and model, right? So if I can model being in my zone, yes, the other person can learn from what I'm doing to self-regulate, but their neurons in their brain are actually picking up on what's going on with mine. They're talking to each other and connecting. And so, as Jesse said, my being regulated can just that alone bring down and help regulate somebody else. So you want to give an example for parenting and of how that might work um, when a child comes in and is just really upset that they broke their toy? and they're totally bumped out. Um, would you mind kind of walking us through a scenario of what it might look like to take care of them and us in a healthy way? Yeah, so it would be great if I was already in my zone and I happen to be having a lovely day and then my child comes in screaming and crying that they broke a toy that I spent money on. And, you know, I could be like, okay, I'm just in a good place to help them push on a wall. We like to blow bubbles in our house or blow out the birthday candles as a way. Um, potentially I might tell my daughter to go ahead and grab her water and I might say, can you grab, grab your water? Take a minute. Let's, let's grab our water. Oh, how does it feel? Is it hot? Is it cold? Do you want more ice in it? Because right then I'm using one of our help now skills. And then I'm going to track for her. Um, and I'm going to tell her if she's taking a deep breath and if I notice that. So, you know, oh, how's that water taste? Is it cold? Is it warm? And then notice if I see her taking any deeper breaths or things that I can track her and bring her own awareness to the fact that she's coming back in her zone. Um, and then I'm going to, you know, validate her concerns and her um, expressions because kids have stress too, right? Like they experience stress, they experience the emotions, they experience the survival responses going off in their brain. They Although our stressors often seem more important um, because there are mortgages or things like that, you know, kid stress is just as important as far as a physical response. So I definitely want to validate what she's experiencing. Um, and then I can continue to talk to her about 
finding another toy. Now we can problem solve. But when she's crying and upset, she's essentially the front part of her brain that can think and process is offline at that point. Um, and so that's where the crim skills can help first to get us back in the zone. The challenge comes in is if I'm out of my zone, right? Or her coming in upset because I'm in the middle of a presentation for work and we're doing virtual learning right now. And now she's coming in crying and I'm trying to find the mute button as fast as possible. Um, and then even now thinking about it, like it hasn't happened, but my heart's starting to race a little bit. I'm starting to feel a little sweaty. Um, just thinking about this instance that could potentially happen. Um, first and foremost, she she's okay for a minute, right? I need to find a way to get myself, even if it's in the topmost of my zone or the bot, like I need to get back into my zone because otherwise if I'm staying outside my zone, she's out of her zone, we're going to just kind of collide and ba-boom kind of a thing, which has definitely happened in our house. And after the fact, I realize it. I'm like, oh, man, I totally let, let that get the best of me. So I might put my hands on the table and push. If I'm at a table, I might notice my feet on the ground and being supported. I mean, I'm going to take that 20 to 30 seconds. I might take a drink of my own water first before processing her um, kind of concern and trying to help regulate because I've got to get myself back in my zone. So I'm going to use the skills for myself and then I'm going to help her. If I have the luxury and the time, I might use the skills for myself very much in front of her or together with her. So that would be another great way to model to go, you know what, let's both go ahead and grab a drink of water. Something else I've done while we've been home is let's go check the mailbox. Um, and even if we're crying and walking, just go, hold on, let's, you know what, we got to check that mailbox. There's something important in it. And so it walks us outside. And then when I walk outside, I might go, oh, is it cold? Oh, I feel the sun right now. I'm getting her kind of nervous system associated with the temperature. We're noticing that we're moving. So now we're walking, we're getting to the mailbox, we're coming back in. And then now we can process and talk about what happened and try to problem solve. I love it. So what I heard a lot of, those are great examples. I think we can all relate to the, to the child kind of, you know, throwing the water balloon into this situation, right? Um, but what I heard a lot of was connection to self and connection to child, right? So that that kind of has to come first, that we need to, if we're disconnected to ourselves, I'm just using a different word for the bumped out, right? If we're disconnected to ourselves, we got to connect first and then connect to our child before we can problem solve or, you know, have some type of consequence or something like that. Is that what you're saying? Yep. We, we kind of call it the oxygen mask, right? Ox oxygen mask on the airplane. Put your mask on first before <laughs> you can help another person. And that's a real life example of doing just that. And I have to ask Lauren, so I'm not a parent myself, but if you were to say to Ella, calm down, would that work? No, absolutely not. I love my husband to pieces and he does the stop crying. And it's right. the old school. That's the way we think of like, stop yep. crying, stop crying. It's no big deal. Get over it. Stop crying. And that that's like saying, calm down, be happy. Exactly. Don't worry. None of those things actually work. So going back to little folks experience stress too. Our kids experience stress as well. And so 
their nervous system and brains respond really similarly to how ours do as adults. So in that moment where the toy is broken and we're in meltdown mode, her cortex is offline. And just like ours would be if we were faced with a stress in our own life. And so whether it's a child or ourselves or another adult, you know, we don't want to try to get in the habit of saying calm down or stop crying because when that cortex is offline because our our nervous system is turned on in that moment, we our brain doesn't sense, it doesn't understand language. So when we say calm down, that part of our brain that would understand that logically just isn't functioning because when we're in a state of survival, we don't have to problem solve like that in that moment. We need to fight, fight fight or flee or freeze in that instance. And so, you know, telling somebody to calm down is not necessarily teaching them skills. And so if we're wanting children to have those skills of being able to regulate their nervous system, using examples like Lauren shared is really not only role modeling those skills, but it's teaching her so that she's got that to rely on as she goes through life as well. I, I, I really like how she also um, pointed out that we regulate ourselves. I don't know if it's prior or at the same time as regulating help being the child. Cause I get triggered when I see my kids upset. Like I remember the example with my daughter walking in, she was registering for classes and she was in full meltdown mode cause she didn't get her classes. She was having technical issues and I didn't know what was happening. I just saw her completely dysregulated and I go to worst case scenario in my head and I wasn't calm. I was like, what's wrong? And I was, I made the situation worse initially until I regulated myself and calmed myself down and then was able to help her. Um, so I could see how that happens when you, you know, your child is having a moment, you, you just go with it. You, you, you get scared and get pulled into their vortex of anxiety. That's so an that's, example. That's yeah, so true. That's mirror neurons too. So mirror neurons work in the way that if I'm regulated, I can help regulate you. But the opposite is also true. So if we meet dysregulation with dysregulation, it just tends to enhance that experience as well. And so, you know, those brains, they work wirelessly with other people. And so, you know, knowing that and, and having some of these skills that you can use, like Lauren said, in 20 to 30 seconds it can make such a difference, but we're all human and we're not perfect. So there's still going to be times where I say, calm down. <laughs> and so just having some grace and patience with ourselves too, as we learn new skills, because this is a new way of responding and we're, we're building new pathways in our brain for resiliency. And that takes time. And what Lauren was talking about the validation too. Um, I love that because um Jesse, your example was was perfect. I think we've all said to others or heard, calm down, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it, right? And, um, you know, we feel like our experience isn't important, doesn't matter, we can feel shame than not feeling good enough. And so there's just so many levels on about which that can just explode that emotion uh, from the child or from the parent, if we feel like we're dismissed by our partner or we're dismissing our child, they would feel like, wow, you know, this doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Let me show her how much this matters, right, <laughs> to me. Um, 
Yeah. So can you guys talk a little bit more about um, the CREM skills? Um, you've been giving beautiful examples of them. Would you mind kind of running through a list for those people who have missed the first podcast? Or um, I know I need to hear things many times before they sink in. Of course. Um, and so an uh, easy way, I think, to kind of help us remember them, um, if you think of your hand, on the palm is tracking. And so there's six total skills, but we want to include that palm because tracking is the most important, right? That's really the key. That's the how we talk to our nervous system with the sensation language, talking about where do you notice uh, maybe changes in temperature, right? Warmth in my chest or coldness in my hands. Uh, heart rate changes, changes in breathing, muscle tension. That's how we're tracking the nervous system. That's the language of that survival part of our brain of um, really being noticing if we're in the zone or not. And then we add on that extra layer of, is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? Again, what we pay attention to where our energy goes, grows. So if we pay attention to all the pleasant sensations and those sensations of well-being, that's what will grow and expand. That's our zone expanding, our ability to regulate expanding. We don't want to pay attention to the unpleasant, right? Because that's the weeds. That's the yucky stuff. Um, so that's tracking. That's going to be key. And that is going to be incorporated with all the other five skills that we use. It's going to come back and start with tracking. So that's why I kind of say, you know, we put tracking as the palm. Then we've got resourcing, which is what we heard Jesse uh, work with Marisol on. That's anything that brings you comfort, joy, peace, happiness. It can be a person, a place, a thing. It can be imagined. It can be real. It can be a character, you know, an aspect of yourself. Maybe you um, are really caring or patient, and that's something that you appreciate about yourself. Uh, imaginary as in it could be, what superpower would you like to have? Uh, for kids asking their favorites of things, what's your favorite food, your favorite movie, your favorite toy? Um, and then you bring about and think about that item, that person, that thing, that place. It can be a memory, a moment in time. And so you really recall that item, that memory, that moment as if it's virtual reality. And you're going to create that right now. Our brains can't decipher if that was happening before or that it's happening now. And so we can bring about all those pleasant sensations we experienced in that moment or um, identifying in that place, imagining what it would be like in that place. We bring that about in that present moment right now, even though we're not there. So even though Marisol wasn't in her meditation space, she was able to feel some of those pleasant sensations she typically does when she is there. So that's resourcing. Then we've got grounding. So grounding is noticing support and how your body is being supported or connecting to a surface. So that can be um, if you're sitting, if you're standing, leaning against a wall. Uh, for us on the eastern, you know, southeast coast for laying in water, being, you know, kind of floating there. Uh, all of those can be the ways that we are grounded. And that's really creating a type of gravitational a security, we're, we're noticing that support. Um, and we really need that to help build strong relationships is that connection. Um, I heard too recently that people in areas prone for earthquakes, well, all this is especially important for them is to feel that security, that safety, that, that grounding, a weighted blanket, that would be a similar, you know, piece. 
And then you're just tracking, you're tracking where you notice support, how you're being supported, and are there any pleasant or neutral sensations that pop up? So those are kind of our main three. Then we've got uh, help now. We talked about this one, I know, on the last podcast. These are your, I am already out of my zone. I need a quick, rapid reset. Like, I can't even process and think about a memory. I don't have the, the, my cortex is offline, right? That front part of my brain, I can't think and sit and pay attention to how I'm being supported. I need a fast reset. Those are going to be really uh, sensory based because again, our nervous system speaks the language of sensation. And so it's going to be things like taking a drink of water, pushing on a wall. Uh, You could go for a quick run or do some jumping jacks. It could be noticing uh, the colors around the room. These are very visceral, you know, sensory-based things that create a quick, rapid reset for our nervous system. Just so we can get back in the zone enough, then we may need to try another skill um, to really sink into that zone a little bit more. And with that comes another skill called shift and stay. With shift and stay, it's basically exactly that. So two parts. One, I might try one of these skills And it might not be working. I might still not be able to get myself back in the zone with resourcing. So I may shift to another skill. I may shift to grounding. I may shift and try a help now skill. So just know that, I think Jesse said it so wonderfully on our last podcast, that these are tools for your toolbox and your bigger tool shed, right? So like whatever works for you, feel free to keep shifting. None of this is you know, prescription-based. We want to give you options to try. Um, the other piece is that if you're noticing anything that's unpleasant, you want to shift to something that's more pleasant or neutral. And sometimes it can be that neutral is okay. If we're experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of distress, shifting something just to neutral can be wonderful. We want to turn the volume down just enough. We want to hit that um, just enough to make that distress, that pain. It might be just turning it down a notch or two. And then that's great, right? That might help us get a little bit more online. That might lead us to be able to use another skill. So that's shift and stay. And that stay piece is anytime you're noticing something pleasant or neutral, stay in it. Give yourself that, you know, 20 seconds to really marinate, notice, appreciate, maybe offer gratitude for that shift and, and just stay in that, that moment. So can I, I've lost count of all my skills. And then there's gesturing. Gesturing. Yes. And gesturing was actually a skill that the Trauma Resource Institute added after they developed some of these original crim skills, because what they started to notice when they taught these skills to people all over the world was that we make very similar gestures um, depending on whether we're talking about something that brings us a sense of calm or joy or confidence or power. And it's these spontaneous movements and gestures that we make just under our subconscious. And sometimes we don't even know what our own self-soothing gesture is. But I bet if you asked a partner or a close friend or someone that you're around a lot, they might be able to tell you what that self-soothing gesture is that you make. And so for, as an example, earlier when Marisol was talking about the new Taylor Swift CD, I immediately put my hands to my chest and I have learned about myself that that's a gesture that I make quite often 
when I think about something that makes me happy or brings me uh, a sense of calm. And so what gesturing teaches us is that we should bring attention to that gesture and stay there for a few seconds and really start to notice what our nervous system is doing when we make that gesture. So for me, I noticed that the muscles in my belly just relaxed. I just took a deeper breath and I sense a warmth in my chest and those feel neutral or pleasant for me. Um, a lot of folks might um, play with their jewelry. Maybe they twist their ring around their finger. For me, if I wear earrings, I often turn my earring or play with my earring. And so with gesturing that last skill, we would just say, pay attention to that gesture, slow it down. We might, if we notice somebody making that gesture, we might do it with them. Or if we know someone well enough to where we know what their gesture is that brings them back into the zone, we might make that gesture and through mirror neurons, they do it with us as well. Um, I just met somebody whose gesture was they put their hands together, their fingers together, laced together, and so their thumbs are crossed. And so that is that person's gesture. And he, he talked about how for those who know him well enough and they know if he's getting bumped out, those other people might pull their hands together. And that sort of is a cue to his nervous system to make that gesture as well. Hmm. So I was thinking of Amy Cuddy, if anybody's heard of the power pose, this is might sound, you know, very familiar to that. She did a TED talk saying that standing legs spread, hands on hip kind of superhero um, power pose was the way to do it. So you do that two minutes before you have something important to do, maybe a presentation or you want to feel your best self, you stand there um, in, in this specific power pose. And then later she came back and rebuked what she said and said, you know what? It's not prescriptive. It's not that one pose. It's that you need to find your pose that brings you confidence. Um, and so Nancy Marisol, I'd love to try like a quick activity. I think our listeners could participate too on maybe identifying some gestures. That sounds, that sounds great. I had a quick question before we do that. Right? So I'm thinking about our children, right? So we can model all this for them, which is awesome. And that is the best way for us to, you know, spread the joy, <laughs> encourage their independence and, and help them do this. Do you recommend um, actually kind of naming? Like I know, um, Jesse, you were talking about my language is kind of fattening the figure. That means like, so the gesture, you lean into it, you get to know it better, you heighten our awareness functioning of it. Would you recommend that we actually kind of teach this to our children and, and name what we're doing um, along with the modeling? Do you think that would be helpful for us to do? Absolutely. And that's what another reason this model is so great because you can use it for people of all ages. You might change some of the wording just to be more um, friendly to your kids or more um, appropriate for the age group, but you could absolutely teach them the skills. And, you know, when we're talking about the zone, for instance, um, for kids who are familiar with emojis, you might have them sort of take an emoji and put it where they might feel in their zone. And I know, Lauren, you've used these skills on your daughter and she, even as young as two and three. So maybe you can talk about how you've shared those skills with her and taught her along the way. Yeah. And things, you know, like we said 
for her, breathing is an important one. And so we've just found that. And so finding, you know, blowing out the bubbles, blowing out the birthday candles, using that language um, has been helpful. And then it's even picking up and noting myself what works for her, like playing I spy. So going for walks um, around the neighborhood or playing I spy in the car. Those are big ones. Like I said, the water. Um, and then just kind of, we haven't named it in any specifics, but she's only five-ish. So I think we will start using the language more as she gets older. Um, but they're just, they're picking up on those things. There was a kid recently who called to kind of doing a zone check-in. So where in the zone are you? He called it a vibe check. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. And so for it. them, uh, you know, what's our vibe check? Where are we at? Let's check in. Um, at nighttime, we do our own kind of resourcing at bedtime and it's, what's your favorite part of the day. And so we run through a list of our favorite parts of the day. And so she's, we're resourcing together. Um, but I'm not saying, you know, let's pull up a resource. And I think it's important to allow the children to, and I say children, but like children, preteen, teen, work with them and say, what language makes sense? Or as you talk to them and go, you know, I learned some of these cool things, can we try some of them? If they use a language like a vibe check, pick up on that because that's what's relating to them. Great. Thank you so much for that. I would love to um, help myself get back in my zone right now. How about you, Marisol? I would love that. <laughs> awesome. That, that sounds great. I don't know if you, you must be able to see there's a spider crawling across the room. So I noticed that I was getting pumped out. So this is perfect. <laughs> oh no. Okay. We'll play a little gesture game and we'll see if this gets us back into our zones. Um, and we'll just kind of see if we can find a good gesture. So, um, and listeners definitely play along too. So on the count of three, we are going to do a gesture that is self-soothing, calming, makes us feel relaxed. And it's just going to be the first thing that comes to mind, the first gesture you'd want to do. Okay. One, two, three. Okay. And then just notice, see if you can track and notice anything that's pleasant while you do that gesture, anything that's neutral with your breathing, heart rate, muscle tension, and just see if you can feel that shift. It's interesting, so Jesse and I immediately did the same thing. So we both put our hands to our chest um, and I immediately took a deep breath. It was like that feeling on my chest made me take, take a deep breath. Uh, Nancy, I saw you kind of rolling your neck and your head. Did you notice any shift or anything? Absolutely, I felt my chest open, my breathing open. That expansion. Marisol, tell us about your gesture. I. I put my hands uh, palm up on my, my thighs, sort of. Yeah. Did you notice any shift or anything? I did. I immediately took like a deep breath and like Nancy, I could just feel my like heart open a little. That's awesome. That's really cool guys. And I was thinking we probably should have said if somebody was listening on the, you know, in the car, maybe be careful about your gestures. <laughs> um, okay. So that, so now kind of, you know, what's one of your self-soothing gestures. And so that's something that you can do one, when you're feeling good to expand that zone, but also if you're feeling maybe slightly bumped out or starting to feel a little icky inside, you're noticing those unpleasant sensations, you can 
recall one of those gestures. Okay, let's have a little bit more fun. So how about a gesture of pure joy? So you, it's Sunday morning, you just found out you won the lotto. Okay, one, two, three. Woo! <laughs> you can see everybody with the mouths open, arms up. And just notice if you notice anything doing that gesture. <laughs> Mine is the exact same as yours, hands in the air. <laughs> so I noticed my heart racing a little bit, sweating a little bit more, but it's not that it's unpleasant. It's that kind of excitement side of it. I feel like a tingling in my arms. Yeah. Pleasant yeah. or unpleasant, Jesse? Pleasant. Mm. I felt like a release in my shoulders, which is where I have a lot of tension. And that just kind of automatically, I just felt like a release. Very cool. So yeah, so that could be even something to try. Um, you know, you're just feeling like a little like, oh, maybe even a help now reset of like, okay, best thing in the world, what's going to happen? And I mean, throw your whole heart into it. Um, and that'll just kind of, it resets that nervous system briefly. Um, okay, last one. So let's try a gesture of confidence, right? Amy Cuddy said, the power pose doesn't have to be everybody. So you're about to give a big presentation, you're about to go in for that job interview, you want to feel your most confident self. And so think about that kind of gesture that helps you feel like you can conquer anything. One, two, three. <laughs> Jesse's so awesome and stood up, love it. Um, definitely notice some backs kind of shoulders up. Did anybody notice any shift or any different sensations with that gesture? I go ahead, Marissa. I was gonna say I felt it in my like uh, solar plexus, like just mm. you know, like strength. I don't know, <laughs> power. Yeah, that's awesome. I I noticed I put my feet more firmly on the ground <clears throat> and sat up straighter and put my shoulders back. Yeah. So noticing that support and standing up taller. Mm -hmm. So those would be great things to try. Just like I said before, when you need to feel confident, one of those, you know, fake it till you make it, but we're not, we're, we're using what we know about our nervous system to create that sense of confidence, that sense of support, that, that getting back into our zone. It's not faking it because now we understand how our nervous system works, that we can create these tools to pull and use at the appropriate times. And okay. so fun game to play too with kids, right? Fun thing to teach, fun fun thing to do. If they're getting ready to take a big test, find out what, what's that self-soothing. Is it, can you take the test and put your hand on your chest before you do it? Or before you walk in, you know, do your confident power pose. I, I, I just, I have to share a quick little funny story, Lauren, because I think it's, the point you make that we all have our own and it's unique to us and to find our own is really important because I actually did watch that Ted talk about the power pose and I did do it before an interview a couple of months ago and I did not work for me <laughs> and I didn't know she had gone back and retracted it. I didn't catch that Ted talk. So now, and it makes complete sense to me because it was, it didn't feel authentic to me to stand in that pose for two minutes before an interview and, you know, it didn't provide for me what um, I probably needed at that time. So um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. 
Marisol, thank you for sharing that. That's such a great example. And I think the two minute thing too, right? We just did these gestures for maybe 20 seconds we held them. I mean, it was not very long and we were all able to notice a shift and kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's a great example, Marisol. And I think if we take that to our children, right? Each of our children, even if we have more than one, things are going to work differently for them in this arena and, and all arenas, right? And that for helping them figure out what works for them, what takes care of them, what helps them get to their zone, what helps them feel stronger, secure, and more independent um, so they can fly is a great thing for all of us to remember. Um, I'm just so excited. So you said we need to find that place that makes us happy and stay. So can the three of you just kind of sit with me all day without work for you? <laughs> all the time. We're just going to always be there. And notice. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So is there anything else that either one of you would like to share? This is such valuable information. Truly appreciate your time. Is there anything else that we didn't cover you think would be important to share before we uh, say goodbye? There was one thing that I wrote down for myself earlier when we were talking about child having meltdown because toy broke, right? Or insert any situation there of someone of any age, right? And talking about paying attention to our nervous system and tracking. And something that I always like to share is that it's not necessarily dismissing the experience when we shift our attention to something that's pleasant or neutral, but it gives us choice to what to pay attention to. And so what we're doing is validating the experience that was stressful, but then also following that with skills to look at what else is true in this moment. If we're experiencing stress, that's valid. However, what else is true? What is helping you most right now? How have you gotten through this hard time in the past? And it shifts the story. It shifts the narrative for ourselves and for our brain. And that's really helping create that pathway to resilience and helps us feel more calm and in control in the moment. And it doesn't prevent the stresses from coming because those will always come. However, it makes us different when we experience that stress. That's great. And that, again, you're bringing it back to us and that we have so much power and control to help ourselves feel better, um, independent of, of the rest of the world. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, Lauren, anything else that you wanted to add? Well, it just made me think we heard, um, we were, got to be in a training this past week, which was great. All, you know, crim training. Um, and somebody used this example of the self-care and it, it definitely has stuck with me. So if you're cooking food for anyone who cooks, if you're cooking anything, even the microwave, and you smell it burning, what are you going to do? You're going to come over and you're going to turn it off. You're going to take it off the stove. You're going to take it out of the microwave, right? You're going to address it right in that moment. You're not going to smell something burning typically and let it just keep burning, right? Go, that doesn't smell good. It's just going to keep burning. I'll just let it stay for another five minutes. <laughs> well, we're the same wave. If we check in with ourselves enough and we're noticing that we are burning, that something isn't right, we're noticing something unpleasant, something's just not right, do we want to let that go and let that stay and not address it in that moment? Because now we're just offering people burnt food. Right? Like We're just offering and we're walking around with this burnt smell and, and it's just stinking up our house and we're making other people have to smell it. But what if we address it in that moment, take it off the heater, right? We take care of ourselves. We get back in our zone. Um, 
now we can then offer a better version of ourselves uh, that might be more appealing to those around us that might, you know, invite more interaction and connection because we're not burning. Um, and I just thought that was an interesting way to really talk about that self-care that's like, man, I do let myself burn. Like I do, and I don't address it. Why? That seems so silly now. What a great example. I, I might add too, um, in the spirit of everything we're talking about, and why would I wait for someone else to fix the burning, right? Because they might not even notice it's burning or the way that they're going to deal with the burning is different than I would. Or maybe they'll take three years to deal with the burning or whatever it is. And then in the process, I'm the one who's suffering more. Um, and of course, those around me too, for sure. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, Marisol, anything else to add before we? No, it's always it's always a pleasure to have you guys on. I learned so much and I will go spend the rest of the day, <laughs> um, you know, chasing my kids around the house, trying to figure out their gestures. For, for regulation. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you again for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's always a pleasure for us too. Thank you both so much. I, I, right now I'm feeling my cheeks expanding and my heart is open and I've been smiling almost this whole time. So Thank you for this gift um, today. And I'm thanking you from our listeners. And the, could you repeat, um, is it iChill? Is that the app that goes over these things? Or do you have another resource or two if people want to learn more about this? Yep. They can use their smartphone to download the iChill app. And it's the letter I followed by chill, C-H-I-L-L-I, chill. And it will provide them all of the community resiliency model skills and pictures of that resilient zone. And it's a great way to kind of carry those skills around with you in your pocket. And the founders are of this model are the Trauma Resource Institute. Um, and so they have a, a great website. They're on social media, sometimes doing, uh, they like to do Wellness Wednesday check-ins if anybody's on Instagram and kind of prompting us and reminding us to use these skills. Fabulous. Thank you again. I hope everyone has a wonderful day.